Good morning. This morning's scripture reading is the eighth chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you, for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things you've said won't happen to me. After testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, and they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, Do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, How can I, unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, 
and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. That's the thing that you heard there at the end that happens. You know, Philip was in one spot and then said God snatched him away and he found himself somewhere else. It's never happened to me. Um, But it it happens all the time. Like, uh, it's not like it's only happened to five people ever. Like, there's lots of people today, living today, who have talked about having this experience multiple times, uh, being in a car, you know, six hours from their destination, and then all of a sudden they're, they're there. They're pulling up on that exit, you know, 15 minutes after they left, or um, et cetera, et cetera. They call it being translated. I don't know why. That's like, you know, I'm, I think it's like teleported, like Star Trek. But um, anyway, uh, that has nothing to do with the, the message. I just... <laughs> Thought I'd, I'd make sure we were all on the same page about that. Uh, there are two types of sports fans. I was thinking about this during the last song. There are the sports fans that are so committed to their team. They're so loyal. And they want to win so badly that, that they just want a blowout from the first second. You know, and then they can relax, you know, and they're just anxious otherwise and can't enjoy the game. There's other types of sports fans uh, who they actually want it to be close and they want their team to fall behind uh, before winning. They want it to be a comeback. I was, I have always been the second kind of sports fan. Uh, I started watching sports uh, with the, you know, 49ers in the end of the 80s and early 90s and uh, I didn't like I did not care about the game at all until they fell behind and then I was interested because then something epic could happen and God is clearly the second type of sports fan he's in my camp or rather I'm in his but um, he just is a drama queen he, he, he is. He, he loves to do it at the last minute. He loves the comeback. He loves the excitement. He just has no interest in the blowout. Because it could be a blowout, let's be honest. You know, like, he know, he, if he wanted it to be a blowout, it would be a blowout. But he doesn't like blowouts, and so it's not a blowout. And so he always waits till the last minute. What got me thinking about that was... Uh, the thought that came right before that during the song was just this like massive perspective shift and new insight about uh, what I was going to talk about today. 
about a situation that I've been thinking about, you know, nonstop for three months, nonstop. And then was thinking about a lot for four or five months before that. And then he waits until I'm standing there listening to this song. It's, I mean, I've thought about this from every possible angle. And then it's like, boom, 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 boom. You know, he could have given that to me whenever he wanted. But he wanted to wait. He wanted to wait just till the end. And I was thinking about, you know, why I tell you every week, oh, I just got this during the last song. It's because I want you to know how great this, this story is. How great, that's the, that's the thing, you know? If you just hear the headline, you know, oh, was, they won by a touchdown. Well, fine. But <laughs> when you find out that the touchdown came after an onside kick, you know, and it was a Hail Mary, and it kind of changes it. And so that's why I'm like, I just got this. It's because I want you to know. I want you to know the backstory. I want you to know how good the, the drama of it is. Uh, the situation I'm referring to is back in October. Uh, the Lord started telling me that Logan would become the lead pastor of this church. And so at first I thought that was just for me. Um, <laughs> I remember the first, uh, the first time that thought came someday in October. I was in the shower after work, and I was like, oh, Logan's going to be taking over. And I came out of the shower, and uh, Brittany, first time ever saying anything like this, she's like, do you think uh, if you keep going like this, you may lose your job? And I said, yes, I, yes, I just had that thought. And she, her face goes white, and she's like, that is not the response I was looking for. Like, that's not what I thought you were going to say. Um, but, you know, that's, a, that's how God speaks to me, you know, is have a thought I've never had before. And then somebody says something right afterwards they would never say normally. You know, so I, I knew then, and then... Uh, had more experiences like that, but thought it was just from my personal knowledge. You know, there's a, I'll tell you something. There's a lot of stuff I know that I don't share with everybody. You know, I know you think that I blab everything God tells me, um, but I don't. Uh, and so I just was going to hold on to this. And then the Lord told me to tell Logan on a specific day. And so I told Logan, and Logan was <laughs> hated the idea, you know, was not happy about it. You know, just this dark look came over his face, just kind of furrowed brow. And he sends me this long email the next day about, like, uh, here's some ways we could make you happier in your job, to me. Um, which I realized, like, I was so confused at first. What, because my mind was in such a clear place about it. I was like, what is he even talking about? And then I realized that his chain of logic was totally normal. It was a total, uh, you know, natural way of thinking about it, which is that he assumed that uh, premise one for me was, I want to leave the church. Premise two is the church needs a pastor, you know. Premise three is... Logan's here, you know, so premise four is therefore conclusion. Uh, yeah, sorry, I forgot the, how syllogisms work. Or, 
Uh, I don't know if he's, it's not even a soldier, forget it. Um, conclusion, premise one, two, three, conclusion, Logan should be the pastor. And so, assuming that chain of logic, he started with premise one, you know, saying, well, here, you don't need to leave the church, here's, here's why not. And to me, it was like a non sequitur. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I figured it out. And so I said, oh, I, I love my job. I don't want to leave the church. I just heard that you're supposed to be the pastor. It has nothing to do with me leaving. It's not that I'm going to leave and therefore you have to step up. It's that you are stepping up, therefore I have to leave. And I don't feel bad about that at all. Uh, it just is what it is. But the, the order is the exact reverse of what you assumed. And so he wasn't buying it. Um, and, you know, I think at that point, he still wondered what a lot of people wondered then, what some of you may still wonder now, which is that when Ryan says God told him something, is that a gloss he's putting on, you know, is he is this sub, subconscious thing he's doing where he's spinning things and, uh, you know, it, we hadn't been through everything we've been through today. So uh, we brought it up a couple of more times. I brought it up a couple more times. He didn't. Uh, and I didn't know what the timing was going to be. You know, I didn't know when this was going to take place. I thought it could be a year away. But in March at the retreat, uh, both Matt and Logan unintentionally prophesied that this was going to be happening soon. So in our internal prayer uh, times as a prayer team and, uh, and leadership discussions, again and again, God had brought the narrative of the Israelites being brought out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land as a, as a type as a, as a paradigm for us of what was happening with us. Slavery being bondage to religion and Pharisaism and textualism, idolizing a written text instead of the living word of God. The living word of God comes through that written text more reliably than anywhere else, but it isn't one and the same. That's slavery. That's bondage. That's the devil putting you in chains. And we were breaking out of that, and we knew what the promised land was. The promised land is the full bounty of what God wants to give to us through his spirit. And so that's where we were, were headed. And uh, Matt, in his message on Saturday morning at the retreat, Matt hadn't been in most of those prayer meetings, and so it was not uh, thinking in these terms about the church as a whole, but you remember he was talking about the promised land personally, you know, entering the promised land personally, and it was this theme of if you could get the promised land without God, would you do it? So he's talking about Moses in the promised land, and he says, uh, just, he starts making a joke about me, uh, saying, uh, you know, Moses is this kind of like, it's kind of hard to follow. He's kind of prickly, kind of grumpy, goes up on the mountain for a long time and disappears and you don't hear from him. And, you know, and he's like, you know, I, I know that doesn't sound like anybody we know. And uh, it, was, it was a good joke. Uh, 
But then he said, so I knew why he was saying that. It was just, uh, uh, you know, to lighten things up. But then he said, after that, he's like, but you know, Moses wasn't actually the one to lead him into the promised land. Joshua was. And then said something else after that, I don't remember what, that had nothing to do with that sentence. So he makes a joke, says a sentence right after the joke that has nothing to do with the joke or the content of the message, and then moves on. And it's just like, he said it, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, he didn't even know why he said that. And I asked him afterward, Do you, was there a reason you said that? He's like, no, I have no idea why I said that. Um, and I was even saying to Sarah afterwards, like, I gotta stop going off the cuff like that. Like, that was just a, such a weird thing to say. So that was on Saturday morning at the retreat. On Sunday morning at the retreat, Logan started talking about the Philadelphia 76ers and trust the process. And he was talking about how we were redoing everything at LMCC. We had started this whole new thing. We had basically, you know, sold the whole team and trying to build a new team, a new system. And he said, trust the process, you know, is what the 76ers would say. It was real ugly there for a while. And then he said, but look at it now. It's, it's beautiful. It worked. And then he said, <laughs> just in passing, but you know, the general manager that came in and did all that stuff, he got fired. He didn't even get to see the end result. You know, it was a new guy that took over. And I asked Logan, I was like, did you, what, did you mean anything by that? No. So other people are saying it, you know, and I'm the only one getting it. And I thought, okay, it's going to be happening sooner rather than later. The final piece of it for me was on uh, March 12th. We met with our community group. And uh, I, I love the people in my community group, and they love me. You know, this is a, this is a very close and affectionate group. And on March 12th, uh, what we discussed at group was how everybody in our group had had a negative experience at the retreat. Now, other people, as we've talked about, got miraculously healed. Other people fell on the floor for two hours and woke up speaking in tongues. Other people had demons cast out of them. That happened too. And I've been uh, so aligned with the brokenhearted on this one that I've failed to talk about some of the amazing things that God did that weekend. But in my group, they just, it didn't work for them. It didn't happen. And I didn't sense it was because they were hard-hearted or because they were opposing the Holy Spirit. I just felt like they showed up, they tried to be open, and nada, you know? And that sucks. And so we just kind of grieved together. We just kind of grieved as a group about you know, man, that's rough. And like three or four times in the group, uh, and every time somebody would say it after the first time, they nobody referred to the fact that it had already been said, which was weird. It was like I was in this parallel universe where there's this echo, you know, and I'm like, is anybody, somebody just said that. Three or four times, somebody made the remark, you know, the only part about the retreat I liked was Logan's sermon on Sunday morning. And it, I didn't take that personally at all. You know, like it's, it's hard to, to convey my mindset in all this, I know, because you just assume like a natural human mindset. I just felt happy. I felt happy that I had heard this from the Lord in October 
and it was coming to pass just like he said it would and that he was showing me the timing of it. So I went to bed that night with the transition to Logan as lead pastor of the church as the foremost thing on my mind. And I got a call from somebody uh, the next day, first thing in the morning, who said, hey, I just think you should know that I'm hearing murmurings in the church, you know, people that are discontent with the shift that's taking place. And they're talking about, uh, this was his exact phrasing, what it would look like to make Logan the lead pastor instead of you. And my hands just shot up in my office in praise. And I just said, that's what I want to do. Now, it wasn't about, you know, whoever, those murmurings are obviously, that's sin. That's the devil. It wasn't about, like, there's merit to that. Because if you didn't like things under my leadership, just wait. You know, just in terms of how extreme it's been. Do you have any idea how inhibited I am? How much of the old logic and religion is still hanging on in me? Just wait till you get somebody that's free. It's going to be scary. So, you know, it's... Uh, somebody can say something true and prophesy and fit into God's plan even if they themselves are evil or they're coming from a bad place. So where it was coming from was satanic. And yet God uses the devil for his purposes. God speaks truth out of the mouths of people that are controlled by the devil. And what I knew in that moment was, you know, don't worry about this because I've got this. Basically, it's God saying, uh, the whole thing is under my control, so you don't need to worry about these murmurings. Because, let's be honest, a plot, a plot to uh, remove me from my position, I can squash that like a bug. You know, like the, the ease with which I could take care of that, it could have been over in two hours. But I didn't, because the Lord was saying, just let this happen. This is what I told you was going to happen. Uh, so, that was March 13th. And then it's been, yeah, three months of um, waiting on God to reveal the timing. And... A few weeks ago, he revealed that the timing would be today. So today will be my last day as the lead pastor of this church. It will be Logan's first day as the lead pastor of this church. Uh, you know, whenever we wrap up here, we'll, we'll switch over. Um, so don't ask me any questions after that. I wasn't answering them before anyway. Um, <laughs> in terms of the, the prickly thing and Moses... It's funny. What I'm realizing is that, you know, the Holy Spirit strips a lot of stuff away. And in some ways, you get uh, rougher before you get smoother, at least to the other people's appearance, because so much of our smoothness is false. We build up these false selves because we know they're what other people will like. And so I've never thought of myself as uh, prickly because I had this false self of, you know, real humble and self-deprecating, and that's what people like, you know. 
People love that in their leaders. In the U.S., we want presidents, you know, before recently, um, who would act like, you know, oh, I never wanted to be president. I just kind of fell into this, but I'll do it if I'm called to serve, you know. It's like, and they say that stuff because we make them say it, you know, because we love that. We love that stuff. You're like, see, look at that, you know, and I'm like, all right, I can say that stuff. No, I wasn't, I didn't know I was lying. I didn't know at the time that I was being false. I thought that was real. I, I'm not like pure evil, like, you know, calculating and saying this stuff. So, you know, I had this, this false self, like all of us do. I'm like, I don't, I'm not prickly. I don't know how to make people like me. When you strip all that away, it's true. I am prickly. And the guys, I, what the Lord showed me just on the front row is that the guys I've been associating with most in Scripture uh, for the last nine months are all prickly. And I didn't even think about that, you know, because prickly people don't know they're prickly and they don't realize that other prickly people are prickly. Um, so Moses, you know, I've been thinking about a lot about Moses and identifying with Moses. And Matt's right. He, he, was a, he was very rough around the edges. Or Elijah, thinking about Elijah a lot. Elijah just seems normal to me, you know, just seems like a normal dude. And what God shows me on the front row is like, Elijah, like that, talk about somebody that's hard to get along with, you know, and moody and, but it just seemed like that's how I felt, you know, like, all right, let's have a contest and God and Baal and, oh, Baal, you lost? All right, slaughter them, slaughter all the prophets of Baal, you know. Sorry, that was supposed to be kind of funny, but I guess it was a little too intense uh, because of how true it is. Uh... And then John the Baptist is the, the uh, third guy that I've all of a sudden found myself identifying with a lot. I just think about him all the time. And uh, even, you know, when we did that baptism service in December, uh, I found myself, not because I had been thinking about John the Baptist. I just received this message separately and then it was later like, oh yeah, it's another John the Baptist thing. I found myself preaching like John the Baptist for the first time. He said, the, the axe is ready at the root of the tree. You know, he's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. He's going to throw you into the fire. And my posture toward the Pharisees has been the exact same as John the Baptist. I don't even want you to be saved. Who warned you? Who told you to come? Who told you to flee from the coming wrath? You brood of vipers. I don't know where that came from. Just the spirit of the Lord. That's when I became full of the spirit. I felt like John. I don't even want you to be saved. Get out of here. And there was this urgency, you know, there was this urgency of timing. And it's like, what is the rush? Like, what's the big rush? Like, I've been here, you know, when this whole thing started, I've been here nine years. And it's like, okay, so why can't we do this over the period of a couple years instead of a couple months? I didn't know. All of these layers of interpretation and understanding that God gives me after the fact, what I don't want you to do is get confused and think that I had these narratives in mind and then decided to act them out, you know, or like imitate my heroes. I didn't understand any of these things when they were happening. I only understand him looking back. 
I didn't know why I felt there was a sense of urgency. I didn't know why I was saying the things I was saying. I didn't know why I felt the way I felt. And uh, sitting there on the front row, I interested it in a totally different way. Because there is a guy that comes after Moses, and his name is Joshua. And there is a guy that comes after Elijah, and his name is Elisha. And there is a guy that comes after John, and his name is Yeshua. They've all basically got the same name. Joshua and Yeshua are exactly the same name. And after this prickly guy comes a guy with twice the anointing, twice the power, more approachable on the one hand, more loving and easier to to cuddle up with on the one hand, and yet more offensive, more ruthless on the other hand both. And John, in in terms of Elijah, he's called Elijah. He's the next Elijah. He's a prophet in the mode of Elijah. And all those guys were doing is preparing the way for the guy that was going to come after them. John says, I'm making straight a road. And you got to get it done before the guy gets there. I didn't know that. I didn't know that today was the deadline. I didn't know there was a deadline. I just knew I felt, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And the guy got here in terms of what God was doing in Logan, in terms of God putting the finishing touches on shaping Logan into the man he wanted him to be to lead his church. The guy got here you know, within the last month. He's a new guy. Even within the last month, we've been singing that I Know You Jesus song, you know, and my, my line has been, do you know him? Do you really think you know him? And that's, that's my line with Logan now. You're like, oh, I know Logan. Yeah, do you? Have you talked to him in the last month? The guy got here just as we finished the road. We finished the road right on time. As far as what Brittany and I are going to do, uh, cool story in and of itself, filled with signs and coincidences. And, you know, that's the thing. I, he's got all these different storylines with me going at the same time. And it's pretty easy to tell it's him when you've got a couple of them that interlock, you know, and you had no idea that they had anything to do with each other. Anyway, uh, we're going to be going to. Uh, Rwanda in Africa, Kigali, Rwanda, uh, the capital of Rwanda. Uh, we're leaving August 1st, and I don't know how long we're going to be there. Uh, you know, probably three to six months, but it's not clear. And I don't know what we're going to do when we get back. And why would I expect to? Like, why on earth? Like, like, the thought, I'm finally catching on, the thought that he would tell me before we left, what we were going to do when we got back, it did not even cross my mind. I did not even look for that email. Because, of course, well, he's not going to do that. Like, I know him well enough at this point to know you got to take that step before you get the next one. So I don't know. I don't know uh, what's next. But I know that 
this is of the Lord for us, you know, he takes, he takes care of his own. And you know what I also know? I know he is pleased with me for obeying him and surrendering his church. I feel his pleasure. Like, yes, attaboy, good job. And you have no idea how satisfying that is to, to hear your father's benediction over you. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. That is why I, I, I could care less about the rest if you hear that and you know you got that. And so we're heading to Africa with a full heart, expectant about what's next for us because it's going to be great and so excited to watch what happens at this church. Because uh, I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Uh, the church is going to explode. It's going to explode in every way. It's going to explode in power. It's going to explode in numbers. It's going to explode in influence. It's going to explode in budget. And the human side of that story, which will have some truth to it, is, wow, Logan's a way better pastor than Ryan was. That, that there is a lot of truth to that side of the story. But then the other side of the story is it's just it's God's plan, you know? And I will watch that explosion and that rise and that success knowing that I won't get credit for it in this life, but that's, my name is linked with this church and with Logan's name in, an, in eternity, in the only book that, that matters. And so... There's some small, it's like, you know, uh, multi-level marketing, you know, like I get a little bit of the commission, you know, on, on Logan's stuff too. Mob bosses and multi-level marketing. It was about, yeah, sorry. Um, anyway, so that's what we're doing. Uh, so this will be our family's last Sunday here uh, at least for a while Um, and what I want to do now is a couple of things to close the service one thing I want to do is have Logan and his family come up and commission him we'll read a passage about uh, how that's supposed to work in just a second the other thing I'd like to do is you know we're gonna head into this time of response And today, you don't just have the two options that you normally have of uh, receiving communion or receiving prayer. But today, instead of communion being up front and prayer in the back, we're going to have both prayer and communion in the back, and you can go and receive those things as usual. This is uh, the second time within the last six months that we also have the opportunity to come and be baptized during the time of response. And just to kind of put parameters around, you know, who's this for? Uh, What we talked about last time we did this is that this baptism is a decision that uh, adults or or teenagers or people who have the capacity to make this decision for themselves make to follow Jesus, even if they have to follow him to the point of death. It's a decision to bury your old life and be raised into a new life. And I talked last time about, you know, so if you're baptized as an infant, uh, there was not a whole lot of, like, content for it for you. 
and even depending on how old you are, if you were baptized as a young kid. I was baptized at uh, five or six, and my parents did it the best they possibly could have. I don't, I don't have any critique or edit. They didn't push it on me. They didn't suggest it. It was all my idea. You know, I prayed the prayer to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior in my bed by myself. I told them about it. I asked to be baptized. So it was as good as it could have been, uh, but the Lord's made it very clear to me over the last couple of months that, no, it's okay. You, I, I, like, you can be baptized as an adult. You don't want to do this. It's not, you don't do it like five or six times. You know, it's not this thing where it's like every time you make a new commitment to the Lord, you get baptized. It's, it's supposed to be a one-time thing. And so I wasn't going to do it because, you know, I already got baptized when I was six. But it's the same thing I said to all of you last time, you know. What did it mean to you then? And what it meant to me then is I understood it as well as I could, but it, it was a family thing, you know. It was a family thing. And now it's not a family thing for me anymore. In fact, you know, uh, Jesus, when Jesus got baptized, one of the things it symbolized is that he was leaving the family business. He was cutting ties with his natural family. And there's a sense in which, so I'm going to be baptized today. There's a sense in which that's true for me. I'm leaving the family business of running churches, you know. Same day I'm getting baptized and starting this, this new journey of just listening to my father's voice, my true father. And maybe that ends up that I run a church at some point, you know, again. Like, it's nothing wrong with running churches. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying for me, you could confuse the two. And today, I, I mark that as two separate things. The day I get baptized is the day I stop being a pastor, at least for now. And so I would invite anyone who wants to make a similar declaration to come forward during this time of response. Again, only if the first time you were baptized, it didn't have that full content for you, or certainly if you've never been baptized. Certainly if you've never been baptized. The only requirement is, are you willing to follow Jesus even to the point of death? Very low bar. Yes, you have to believe he died for your sins. You have to believe he died on the cross for your sins and his blood washes you clean. You have to believe you're going to be raised to life again after you die, just like he was raised to life. You have to believe those things. But it's not just a signing off on a creedal statement. It's a commitment for the rest of your life. And if you've never made that commitment through baptism, or if the first time you were baptized, it did not have that content to it, then I invite you to be baptized today, along with me. We read you these passages now, and then we'll invite Logan and Amber and the kids to come. So the Lord said to Moses, I'm just going to read this one, actually. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, a man in whom is the Spirit, already, and lay your hand on him, 
and have him stand before all the congregation and commission him in their sight. You shall put your authority on him in order that all the congregation may obey him. At his command, they shall go out, and at his command, they shall come in. So Moses did just as the Lord commanded him. He laid his hands on Joshua and commissioned him just as the Lord had spoken. So I'd like to invite Logan and Amber and the kids to come now. And uh, I'd also like to invite any... uh, pastors or ministry leaders or small group leaders, anybody who's involved in any leadership role of the church to come forward as well. I'm going to pray now, uh, and I'm also going to speak to Logan at points while I'm praying and speak to you at points while I'm praying. So it's just going to be, you know, got to stay on your toes here to figure out who I'm talking to. Sometimes I'll be talking to the Lord, and sometimes I'll be talking to Logan, and sometimes I'll be talking to you. It'll be all kind of put together. Father, we are doing as you have commanded. We are commissioning Logan and Amber because you have commanded us to. Because you have chosen them for this. And so we agree with you, we obey you, we affirm what you have said, and we see your wisdom in it. We won't pretend like we don't understand. We get it. We get why you chose this man, and we praise you for your wisdom. We praise you for how fitting everything you do is, how beautiful everything you do is, and we thank you for providing We thank you for providing for this church a leader so that they are not sheep without a shepherd. So now, Father, I do as you have commanded me to do, and I take my authority that you gave to me, my authority that I have done my best to use as you would want me to use it, and I place that authority on Logan. Speak now to the congregation. And I charge you, follow this man. Pray for this man. Obey this man. Give thanks for this man. And now, Logan, I speak to you. And I charge you, as God commanded me to charge you, to be strong and courageous. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. For the Lord goes before you. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You must remove every enemy from the land. 
you must not leave one. Be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I bless you, Logan. I bless you as the leader of this church, and I bless you as the leader of your family. I bless your family. And I bless this church as I surrender my authority. I bless this church in the name of the Lord. May you obey and may you prosper. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.